The Middle East is bracing for America's response to that deadly drone attack that killed three U.S. soldiers in Jordan. But after President Biden said he has made a decision on how to retaliate, Iran's top military leader is not backing down, saying threats from the U.S. will not go unanswered. At the same time, the most powerful Iran-backed militia in Iraq has announced that it will stop targeting U.S. forces. CNN's Oren Lieberman is at the Pentagon, and Oren, the administration has just formally identified the group that it says was behind this drone attack. Tell us more about this. Brianna, what's interesting here is that the White House didn't point to one specific group like Kataib Hezbollah. Instead, they pointed to an umbrella group called the Islamic Resistance in Iraq, which covers a number of different militant groups, including Kataib Hezbollah. The administration had been repeatedly asked, who do you hold responsible for the attack on Sunday with a drone that killed three U.S. soldiers in Jordan? The administration had hinted at Kataib Hezbollah, the most powerful Iran-backed militia in Iraq. But here now they say it was instead an umbrella group which includes KH, called the Islamic Resistance in Iraq. John Kirby, the Strategic Communications Coordinator for the National Security Council, says of what we can expect in the U.S. response that it could be multi-phased and might not be a single attack. Here now with this attribution, it gives another indication of what we might be expecting. In other words, the U.S. could go after, instead of just one group, multiple groups in what might be a wave of strikes and U.S. attacks against multiple targets belonging to these different groups underneath the umbrella Islamic resistance in Iraq. Now, as you point out, Kataib Hezbollah put out a statement yesterday saying they were telling their organization not to continue attacking U.S. forces in Iraq when the Pentagon was asked yesterday about that. The Pentagon pointed, to, uh, uh, pointed out and said, look, actions speak louder than words, and there have been more than 160 attacks on U.S. forces in Iraq and Syria, including at least three after that Sunday drone attack that killed three U.S. service members. Brianna. Yeah, very good to point out there. Oren Lieberman, live for us from the Pentagon. Thank you. And we're joined now by Republican Congressman Dan Crenshaw of Texas. He is a former Navy SEAL who served in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, sir, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. You have mentioned the possibility of striking another general. You're referring to Soleimani, of course, the head of the Quds Force that the Trump administration took out in January 2020. Why do you think that would work? considering that it prompted proxy attacks that killed U.S. service members last time? Yeah, well, first of all, it, it didn't start the World War III that everybody on CNN and MSNBC and, and many on the right were also claiming it would, right? The, the World War III doomsdayers are pretty much always wrong. Maybe one day in the next 500 years they'll be right. But for the most part, if we stand up for ourselves and against our enemies, we will be okay because we're dealing with a half-rate power like Iran. And of course, they did a retaliatory strike, okay? Now, hey, hey, we also had forewarning of it through the Iraqi government, okay? So they, it, was, it was almost like a gentlemanly agreement on their part. Let's be clear well, about which that. Which strike are you talking um, about? But her, her, I, I'm talking about their retaliation for the, the, the one you referred to the after Soleimani. Right, right. Look, it, it, let's. But there was a deadly one too. And I, I strikes, I I'm, sir, I'm taking your. I take that, your point. Fine. It we're, didn't we're, unleash yeah, it, we're, this we're, incredible we're, wave, but there were other strikes, including. Uh, one that did kill U.S. service members, but but please finish your thought. Of, 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 of course. I mean, that's, that's, that's the back and forth that we continue to see in the region. And so if you want to end that back and forth, if you, if you want to tell the other side that your costs are going to be simply too high if you keep screwing with us, well, then you have to establish that deterrence. And you establish that deterrence by, by always beating them on the escalation ladder. So far, we have failed to do that. 
We've had 165 attacks since October, and we have failed to establish deterrence because they keep doing it. They keep trying to kill Americans, and they finally succeeded. Now, luckily, that finally, that, that, that finally got a response from our president, from multiple senators, from myself, who are saying, we're holding Iran responsible. Maybe we should look at, we should look at targeting leadership. We should look at targeting infrastructure. I don't have that exact list of targets, right? You can't ask me what exactly I would target because I'm not in the situation room. The Department of Defense gives the president a list of targets. Those could, targets could be people, they could be infrastructure, they could be inside Iran, it could be outside Iran. It could be part of any of one of those groups that you just mentioned. And there's going to be a risk assessment associated with each one of those options. My advice would be to choose the option that makes you just a little uncomfortable. Because if you're choosing that option, you're choosing a disproportionate response that will reestablish deterrence and make them think twice about ever doing this again. I think Qatar Bezbollah's uh, statement was, was interesting. Because it seems clear to me, this is my guess, that, Iran, that the Ayatollah gives them a call and says, hey, you better take full responsibility for, for this because now they're, calling, now they're calling for retaliation against us, Iran, even though they probably, of course, have uh, manned and equipped and funded those groups. They are directly or indirectly responsible. But they're trying to get out of it now because they're scared. And that's a good sign. Now, that doesn't mean we don't respond. You still need a disproportionate response, and I look forward to seeing what the president has in mind. Uh, and I hope that it's, that it's, that it's something a lot, uh, uh, much stronger than what's been getting done in the last few months. It is an interesting response, certainly from Kataib Hezbollah, and was very surprising um, that they did that. So what you're talking about is something that could result in further U.S. service member casualties. And, I mean, listen, uh, you certainly know <laughs> service members sign up, right? They take on this risk so that the vast majority of Americans do not have to do that. Um, but if we're just being honest about what this could prompt, that is worth the risk, it sounds like, in your uh, estimation, in your evaluation of the situation. How should Congress, Republicans and Democrats then, communicate about that? Because so often what you hear is the politicization of these deaths. Yeah, it's a good question. It's one that many ask, and, um, and I always scratch my head when it's asked because, because I guess my response is, what choice do you think we have? Right? So there seems to be this, 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 this sense of false choices that many people believe in, which is um, we can just have peace if we choose peace. But here's the thing about peace. The other side always, 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 gets, a, uh, always gets a say in whether you have peace or not. And so we didn't do anything to, to instigate this particular attack that killed three service members. So by the logic of doing nothing and maybe you know, asking for peace or maybe sending them nice, nice letters or something, you know, we're going to assume that they're just not going to keep killing Americans? Why would we assume that? I mean, it's within their doctrine to keep killing Americans and, and expel us from the territory. That's, that, that's their whole point of existence. Uh, it has been for, for 20, 30 plus years. It's how we ended up in the global war on terror in the first place. So it's, it's just too naive to believe that we can never stand up for ourselves and that standing for, up for ourselves only hurts us more. That's how you keep getting bullied, right? International relations, foreign policy, it's not that different from your typical schoolyard bullying tactics. If you want to keep getting bullied, keep, uh, keep signaling to the bully that it's okay when they push you down. And then you'll keep getting bullied and your friends will keep getting yeah, bullied. I, I don't think Eventually anyone's suggesting, I don't think anyone's suggesting not doing anything, right? It's the range of options at this point and how aggressively you respond, which is being debated at this point in time. 